There's also some James Bond stuff happening in this song. Blair and Barker for a Friday. We James Bond, you guys are listening to or watching. You probably think early James Bond, yeah. Yeah, Barker. Barker's under the impression that James Bond has been around for like 10 years. Yeah. Do you know people actually played to where I live? Yeah. Do you know people actually played? Before Daniel Craig, there were other people who played James oh, really? Bond. Who? Yeah, yeah. Okay. George La- Lazen- Lazenby, Lazenby, mm. Roger Moore, Lazenby, Roger Moore. The uh, thanks for that. Sean Connery. I'm missing somebody else too. No, before then, Pierce. Oh, Pierce Brosnan, but that was that was crap. That oh, was, you didn't like it. That was crap. James Bond. Mm. Timothy Dalton. There's another one. Favorite Bond would still be Roger Moore. Yeah. Sorry. No, these guys are all, all the young guys. Sean, Sean, the young guys all like Sean Connery. No, Roger Moore's classic. Hmm. Anyhow. Uh. Um, we're going to be joined by Brian Anderson at 1125. He's a Tampa Bay Rays TV analyst, former major league pitcher. Barker's back leg bits at 1145. DMs are open. We've got a lot, a lot, a lot of questions for Kevin, which is good. That's why we like doing it. Uh, you can DM me. My Twitter handle is SN Jeff Blair. DM the questions for me. And uh, we will try to get to all your questions at some point. It may not be in one day, but at some point we will get to your to your questions. So... Uh, we appreciate your patience, your indulgence, et cetera, et cetera. Speaking of patience and indulgence, let's bring in our next guest, Mark Budzinski, Blue Jays' first base coach. Mark, thank you so much for joining uh, Kevin and myself. Uh, I know the first day of a series on the road can be hectic, and we do appreciate your time. Um, look, we've Kevin and I spent a lot of time this morning talking about Tropicana Field, and you know we were looking at specifically the issues the Jays hitters have, at least statistically, with Tropicana Field. And I know that your area of responsibility is also uh, outfield, is also defense. And, and and you're also, at the same time, you're also a base coach, first base coach. You've been third base coach as well. Um, how hard is it to play in that ballpark? And I'm just talking about, like Barker said, and we've all heard the same thing, the lighting's odd. There are areas where it can be really dark. Um, in terms of ballparks, does it provide an added degree of difficulty for you guys on the bases and also defensively? Jeff and Kevin, great to be with you. Thanks for having me. And, and I, you know, I, I don't think we make any excuses to any of those things, to be honest with you. Uh, I think the Rays have had a good team, you know, the times the, the last few years that I've been here and, you know, it's always a battle. It's always a challenge. Um, I think, you know, from an outfield defensive standpoint, it, it's obviously a white roof with a white ball and some rafters and things like that. So that is probably the biggest challenge. And it's something that obviously when we when we get into town and in batting practice and some fungo work, make sure our guys are as comfortable as they can be seeing the ball off that white roof. But but other than that, you know, it's we play there a lot. We're familiar with it. You know, we just gotta gotta find a way to win games. But you guys been doing a lot of the the, the four man outfield Thing. What's been the toughest thing for the players to buy into that? And I, and I mean by that is 
you know, when you're playing a little out position, when I was at first base, even moving a little bit closer to the second base man, was a little bit tougher just by positioning and, and being comfortable about, you know, how, how much time it took me even to run to first base. Have you noticed a little bit of that? By even, like, say, a right fielder having to play more in the gap when you're doing the four-man outfield, what's been the biggest challenge? Sure, sure, yeah, and, and obviously we've we've done a lot of it this year. I think it's increased quite a bit over over years previously, and we've talked a lot about it. <clears throat> excuse me, as a staff, as well as with the players, because you know when when you're trying some new things, it, you, you do want buy-in. You want to make sure the players are comfortable with it and that they feel that they're in a in a position to make a play. And it affects everybody, like you mentioned with Vladdy at first. Sometimes he's off the bag a little bit more, depending on the pitcher, and has to be comfortable getting over to, to cover first. And he works on that in his pregame work as well as you know, blow and bow and, and, and Chappie in the infield and SB being the one with Biggio, those two guys being the one most to go out in the outfield and, and making sure that, you know, they're getting some reps in, in batting practice on balls off the bat, making sure they're comfortable feeling, fielding ground balls and fly balls in the outfield. And so, you know, it, it affects everybody. It affects your, your center fielder, your left fielder, your right fielder, because they're all moving around and, you know, we, we try to distance them in, in areas where we think the balls are going to be hit. But not only that, it also part of the goal is to limit limit damage and, and meeting extra bases. So, you know, sometimes when somebody may drop a single and we can live with that to, to you know, maybe get a ground ball double play the next pitch or or keep guys from, from scoring on a, on a double or triple there. So uh, it's something that we've talked a lot about and, and continue to talk a lot about depending on matchups, who we have on the mound and who we're facing. But, but we feel like it, it's helped us win games up to this point. But you, you, whatever I tried to, I did try and go in the outfield one time. John Gibbons put me in right field in Yankee <laughs> Stadium, which tell you a little bit about what I think of John Gibbons. But, but I, I, can, I can only imagine, you know, say you do that today with Santiago Espinal, you move him in the outfield, and you were talking about the white roof and the white baseball. Like how – I know he's catching pop-ups in the infield, but the angles and, and, you know, he may have to run a little bit more. Does that put more pressure on you to tell the outfielder when in doubt, it's your ball. We want you to run over and get it to take a little pressure off of Santi. Is, is that something, a conversation that you have? Especially or, with especially George Springer because he's a center fielder, I, absolutely. right? Absolutely. Or is it just Santiago Espinal is a, a really good defender? You just don't really have to worry about that. Yeah, we're, we're at the point where we've done it for a few years now with both Santi and Bish to where we feel as confident in those guys. Like, they're, they're athletic. They, you know, they've been out there quite a bit. Yeah, they don't play outfield every day, but they're out there enough and they're athletic enough to go make plays. And so it's more of just making sure that the other outfielders are all comfortable where those guys are at and, and that, that, that they know that wherever the ball's hit, we feel like any of those guys out there can go make a play. Uh, you know, I, I, we had a chat with Alex Anthopoulos uh, after the World Series, and the, the Braves did a lot of shifting last year, and they – they had to sell their players on it. It was something that was done gradually in season, and and they were a team that you know didn't shift much the year before, et cetera, et cetera. And Alex talked about the approach you had to take. You had to sort of sell pitchers on it. You had to sell players on it as well. You know, Mark, I'm wondering when you have a a, a relatively young team as this team is, is it a little easier because? You know, by the time Bo and Vladdy have made it to the majors or Santiago, Bo will tell you that I don't pay attention to new age stats, et cetera, et cetera. But they're comfortable with it, right? Because they've come up with it. They're visual learners. And I'm sure even at the minor league level, this stuff is part of the conversation. Does that make it a little easier 
for to to approach young guys with these concepts and have them be maybe more open minded than a team full of veterans. Jeff, I, I don't know if it's necessarily easier. I think you know. I think our guys are while they, a lot of them are younger, they have a lot of experience in baseball. They played baseball their whole lives, and a lot of them have done it at a high level, mm-hmm. <laughs> and even even as youngsters. And you know what I love about them is that they'll challenge you if they have questions. They're not afraid to bring it up or, or ask about it. And and you know those are great points of discussion. And you know they I, if I were to tell you every time we ran a four meal that everybody was com- a four man outfield that everyone was comfortable, and I'd be lying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so. You know, there's questions and there's there's discussions about why we do it, and in certain situations we do and don't. And and at the end of the day, we're all learning from each other and learning what the game shows us, and, and trying to make the best decisions for our team to try to try to limit runs and, and win baseball games. But you know, they're they're daily discussions. They're they're you know pre-series discussions, especially we you know we haven't played the Rays yet this year, so there'll be discussions today about it. Uh, and at the end of the day, we're you know our job is to try to put our team in the best position to, to make plays and win. And, and, you know, that's our goal. And hopefully more often than not, we're, we're doing that. But I don't want to ask you about the mood of the team. Cause that's, that's, that's not a, that's not a good way to ask a question just because, you know, it's a, it's a marathon, not a sprint. And you're going to go through some ups and downs where you just don't like each other. Like, you know, it's one of those things where when you're struggling, you're one of the better guys, you tend to be, you know, you want to be left alone. I don't want to ask you about the mood of the team because that's that's the wrong way to ask you. But I do want to ask, you know, there's certain times of seasons where you're just very fortunate that there was a day off. Like, it's hmm. just, you need occasionally just to, to get away from the stuff. Like, you know, when you start seeing Vladdy breaking bats, it's sort of time to walk away for a day. You think that helps a young team to just be able to walk away and forget about what's what's going on that's not working? I think it certainly can. And, you know, when you start off a season 30 games in 31 days, mm-hmm. you know, no matter how you're playing, you could yeah. use a break here yeah. and there. So, you know, I, I think, you know, it's great for us to get a little breather. Um, go, going at it pretty good here over the last month. Um, but at the end of the day, we believe in our team. We, we know we haven't kind of hit our stride 100% yet this season. And, and we still still feel like we've, we've you know, held our own with the, with the schedule that we've had here the, the first month of the year. Uh, but, you know, I, we have a lot of confidence in our group, and I, I think you'll see us continue to play better and better moving forward. But let's talk about you a little bit. I mean, everybody knows you're the first base coach, but when Louie wasn't there, you you got to go flip over there to the third base bag. <clears throat> what was the challenges? I know you are very aggressive. I, I like that now. it's you know, is, is, that, is that something you had talked about with, you know, maybe Charlie or Louie when – he was out for a couple of days that we know where our offense is at. When you got a chance, put a little pressure on the defense. How was it moving to third base? Did you like it? Do you want to do more of that? Yeah, you know, it was fun. And I've, I've had the fortunate opportunity to do it for a couple of games when I was in Cleveland um, in, in 2018. And then, um, you know, Louie had a graduation, I think, last year or the year before. So I've been out, been out there here and there. And it was fun. But we, we want our man Louie there, you know, mm-hmm. on, on a day-to-day basis. But I enjoyed it. And, you know, as a player, I always felt like I wasn't aggressive not looking back at my career, and that's something that I, I wanted to do a better job of as a coach and a manager in the minor leagues. And so, you know, in the minor leagues, being out there for four years doing it, I always felt like if, you know, it, depending on the situation and, and you know, you, you always got to take everything into context in the game. But, you know, if it was a if it was a 50-50 shot, I always felt good about going, especially the effort that our that our guys give coming coming from second to third and and you know that that's that's the separator when when you got guys that are looking to score um, coming around second base to third and you know you, know you got a good shot it, it makes you feel comfortable setting them and our and our players have, have done a great job of that for both uh, Louis and myself. 
Hey, I'm, I'm just wondering, given the fact that offense is down in general around baseball and you know, we talk about the ball, et cetera, et cetera, does that put more pressure on base coaches in particular now? Because runs are at a, you know, runs are at a premium and, and a, a bad call, you know, it's never a good thing, but a, but a bad call can really, can really have a negative impact where you're only going to score three or four runs a game. Is it a little more, a, a little more difficult right now? You know, I don't think we really think about that, Jeff. It's more more about, you know, the situation in the game we're in. You know, how's the outfielder throw? Um, who's running? You know, those types mm-hmm. of things more than anything else rather than, you know, thinking about we got to score a run right here. Just, just because we feel, you know, once our – once our offense gets going, it, it, it's not going to be an issue, um, and 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 so we're just we're just kind of playing for that play in that situation at that time more than anything else. Last one before we let you go, but it's uh, I was thinking of something when Jeff was, was talking and you were talking about being a third base coach, and you're the first base coach, and, and a lot of the talk's been about pitch calm, and I'm thinking to myself, you know, when you ever when you're standing over there with the guy at first base after he either gets a hit, he walks or whatever. Has there been a little bit more urgency when it comes to get your lead quicker because of how quickly the, the, the pitcher is working to maybe try and pull a little bit more pressure on that guy, right? To, you know, you could, you could do a, a, a false jump or, or a, you know, a couple of steps quicker just to make that pitcher think that catcher. To, has there been any thought into to, to the pace of how you work the first base bag and all those things? Yeah, I don't think uh, Kev, it's it's been a big a big difference as far as like the pace and how how quickly the pitcher's getting redder. I think Pitchcom has helped, and I think it's you know, I think a lot of teams are are employing it now and using it, and 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 it's going well overall. Um, but but I but I do think you know that base running's kind of coming back a little bit more than maybe it was a few years ago when everybody's hitting home runs all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so you know, knowing pitchers that that hopefully you can get a little bit better lead on, or you know, you, it may not even be for a for a stolen base, and maybe the opportunity to go first or third on a base hit, things like that are are coming back more. And it's something that you know that I focus a lot on with our guys, and our guys have done a great job of of you know wanting to get that extra ninety feet when we can get it. Uh, to try to give us more opportunity to score runs for sure. Mark, really good of you to join us today. Thanks so much. Best of luck this weekend. Thanks, bud. Jeff and Kevin, thanks for having me. Talk to you soon. Take care. That is Mark Budzinski, Blue Jays' first base coach and uh, outfield coach. An interesting question you asked about Pitchcom. I had not thought of it in that that concept, get, but you've got to think. Get the sign quicker, get your lead quicker, get your secondary. It's just like everything has to happen a little quicker that maybe you could, you know, you forget about me over here. I'm yeah. so I'm so, I'm so uh, worried about getting the the pitch that I got it so quickly that maybe I forgot about you over there and I can steal a bag that way. You know, one of the things yeah. that I I find myself thinking about this year as well is, with this Blue Jays team is if I, I think we now realize that there will be restrictions put on the shift next year. I'm, you know, it's going to happen. Yeah. Um, and I look at this team. And I'm I'm going to leave aside sort of the defensive shifting right now, but I look at this team, and if this game, if baseball morphs into the type of game that I think the commissioner's office want to see, more balls in play, maybe a greater emphasis on stolen bases. You know, they're talking about the second base is going to be bigger. I look at this lineup, and I go, man, this is like, I, I don't want to skip ahead of 2022 and look at 2023. But I look at this core and I go, if, if they do make this a quote-unquote more athletic game, this lineup could really do some damage. It's funny. Like everybody, almost every, is there somebody in this team, you know, other than other than Alejandro Kirk, is there anybody in this team that shouldn't try to steal a base? Anybody that's hitting around Vladdy. 
I, no, I'm, yeah, but the, no, the, the, I, the I mean because I mean because I of, because of, no, but what I mean is because they can. Not never mind that, but because they can. Is there anybody in this team you'd go? Yeah, I don't know if I want that guy stealing bases. You know as well as anybody, if they start paying them for stolen bases again, they'll steal bases. Like if if, if it's if it's a a value in their game to get to first base and really concentrate on picking up tendencies from that pitcher. Is he too quick? What's he doing there? Can I still, is he slow with his leg? Little things that'll help me steal bags. If I, if they want me to be a 30, 30 guy and I'm Bo Bichette and they pay me for it, then you'll see it coming speaking, back. The, the bigger bag thing, I, that's eyewash for me. Really? Speaking of, uh, come on. Speaking of, uh, well, I mean, I, I'm a, not saying a, I'm in favor. I'm just going to happen. I, the I mean, bigger bags happening? Yeah. That's a joke. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, that's, I, I can't on. get really upset about it one way or another, to be honest. Uh, mm. Trying to find the story here. We mentioned that the Jays just saw the, or we didn't mention, but the Jays just saw the Yankees. And there is an interesting, Ken Rosenthal had an interesting article in The Athletic about Luis Rojas, who is the, one of the Yankees coaches now, and of course came over from, uh, he's a third base and outfield coach. He came over from the Mets organization. Uh, the Mets in 2018 and 2019 allowed more stolen bases than any team in baseball when Luis Rojas was managing them. If you look at the numbers right now, the Yankees are really good at things like that. And he's getting a lot of the credit because, again, according to this article with Ken, Ken Rosenthal, um, Aaron Boone at some point, he and, and Rojas had a discussion and Aaron Boone said, look, if you feel, and Rojas all had a, all these ideas and he said, if you feel that way, we'll put you in charge of it. And if you look at their numbers and we saw it when the Jays were there, they are really, one of the things that they've done defensively really well is hold runners on base, throw runners out. It's not all just Gary Sanchez. A lot of it is pitch calm which I found interesting. But the other thing, and I didn't notice this, and this is why I'm asking you. I wondered if you noticed it. The other thing is Jameson Tyon has developed sort of, he, he, with his cutter, he's developed what he called a quick step cutter. And he used it against Vladimir Guerrero Jr., the one where Vladdy broke his bat. Yeah. We basically quick pitch and sure. throw... So all this stuff, the, like, are you buying into that? That that can make a that can make a, a difference for a team. You know, the Yankees are calling it attention to detail, and and Tyon says, "Hey, I've never done that in the past. You know, I'm I'm not a big quick step guy. I'm not comfortable with it. Mm-hmm. We've been doing it a lot this year, and I guess in that game, uh, he induced four or five ground balls off what he called quick step sliders. I just find that interesting. How this pitch com is. This whole emphasis on speeding up the game, there are so many layers to that onion, right? There are so many layers and, and so many ways that is going to have an impact on what on what teams do. That I, I think we sometimes it's not just the pitcher, the catcher, and the hitter, it's the stuff that's going on in the base as well, because there's less time between pitches. As long as the quality of the stuff doesn't go down, you, you it's it's to each his own. If a, if a pitcher thinks that he can do things to slow down the momentum of a base runner. Absolutely, you do it. But a lot of the guys don't know how to do that. A lot of guys don't know how to slide. Jordan Romano or is a pitch, or yeah. I mean, he's trying. But do you really want him to do that? No, like, and that's what I said. I, bad mechanics. And, I, and we, I don't know if I want that or not. We've had this discussion. I don't. I I don't know why this is, but I don't like my. I I don't. I want my closer to throw a hundred miles an hour and strike guys out. I'm not all that interested in the slide step or any any anything like that with my closer, but. 
I mean, I look at Jordan Romano, and he's when he gets men on base, he he scuffles. So far this year, he scuffled. That's when you have those twenty-one pitch innings, those twenty pitch innings. Strike one, quality of stuff. Uh, the the two strike pitches, which have given him some issues. He gets two strikes quickly. Now, what do you do? Slider good enough. Hadn't been great all the time. Location of the elevated fastball is not great all the time. Those some non-competitive pitches because mechanically you're not just sound enough to throw it where you want it to go. You're more of a stuff guy. And that's a little bit of what that is. For me, it's, it's again, it gets back to that when your teams that want to go deeper into seasons, meaning to the World Series, you got to do little things. If you think the little things are holding the base runner closer and that's what you think will help you get – Deeper into the season, I think that's what you have to do as a as a as a collection of an entire team. But you got to have some buy into that. You got to have because yeah. it is their stats. Yeah. It is their you know if they think their stuff's going down because they're quick pitching, then you probably don't want them quick pitching. Brian Anderson is a Tampa Bay Rays TV analyst, former major league pitcher. He'll join us next. We'll take a deeper dive into the Rays. The Jays and Rays open a three game series tonight at the Trop. Seven oh seven first pitch on Sportsnet five ninety the fan of Sportsnet. Brian Anderson's next. It's Blair and Barker on Sportsnet 590, The Fan 360, and wherever you get your favorite podcast. Breaking down the top stories in the NHL every day. The Jeff Merrick Show. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Myself will be on Blue Jays talk tonight. Immediately following the game, we'll be on Blue Jays talk duty. Huh? We'll be on Blue Jays talk duty tonight. And Sunday. You gonna bring something tonight or no? Might have to carry it again. <coughs> Pens, man. You can walk Billy off the cliff. <laughs> Billy and Markham, man. Yeah. Billy's toned it down a little. Billy, I, I thought, man, I thought he was gonna. When he came on the other night, I was getting the flame flame retardant jacket ready, you know, because yeah, yeah. I thought Billy was going to bring that, you know, that flamethrower and fire everybody. Worst team in the history of the Jays yeah. and trade them all right now. Wasn't no, the case. Wasn't the case. No, no. Billy was, was optimistic and, mm-hmm. and talking about the need for patience. Wow. So didn't even have to. No. There's really no need for you that night, was there? I will let other people insert the comment there. We will be doing Barker's Back Lake Bits today. By the way, uh, DM us, SN Jeff Blair. As I mentioned, we've got a ton of them. We will endeavor to get to as many as we can. If we don't get them today, relax. There are other days where we yeah, will Yeah, yeah, we'll get you a pitch com so you're a little quicker with your answers so we can get to more of them. That'd be good. That'd be good. I need, I need a, a buzzer. Pitch com. What is your confidence in the Jays taking two or three of this series. Not great. <laughs> I, lo- I love their pitching. Right. I love their pitching. Not the one in the middle, but the 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 Alec Manoa to end it and, and Kevin Gosman tonight. I love that. The pitching's not going to be the issue. Now, the bullpen, because they're probably going to be close games. Rays are having some issues scoring runs and, you know, stringing together quality of bats, which is, you know, la yada. It's everybody in baseball, seems like. But... <clears throat> They're going to be close games. It's going to come down to those little things. It's the, you know, Bo may make an error. So you got you to gotta not do that. You got to throw the ball to the right base. You got to take third when you can. You got to do the little things. You go to the trop. 
Yeah, you know, the, the Rays coming off a 10-game road swing in which they went 7-3, and three, um, had a six-game winning streak. They were no hit one time, too? They were no hit one time. They had a walk. I mean, you want to talk about, you want to talk about the road trip. Mm. You go 7-3, and three, that's good. Awesome. Uh, but in, in between there, you've been walked off Sunday in Seattle. You lost by eight runs in the game on Monday. And then Tuesday night, not only were you hammered even more, but Reed Detmer's Throws a no-hitter. Mm-hmm. So there you go. You go into your final game of the road trip, which was, uh, which was uh, uh, Wednesday. And um, you come back and win it. Pick up a 4-2 win over the Angels. So, and um, As you say, they're must-watch. Yeah, the I, only I, team I, I'd tune into is the race. Somebody said that that's in this room. I did not say, you did the say only that. Team if I could team. choose between any team in baseball to watch all the time, it'd be the race. Yeah. I did say that I like watching the race. So shoot me. Brian Anderson is a Tampa Bay Rays TV analyst, former major league pitcher. He joins us on uh, Blair and Barker. Brian, always good to talk to you. Thanks for doing this. I understand I'm not supposed to ask you about the Leafs and the but Lightning. But I'm going to. But I'm going to. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know what? I've got, I've got to tread very lightly down here because I've been, you know, a, a lifelong, well, I shouldn't say lifelong. I've gotten into it more in the last probably 10 or 15 years. Uh, but, yeah, a Leafs fan. I'm growing up in Northeast Ohio. We had like, you know, we had the rabbit ears on the TV. We didn't have cable TV. And you could get like four or five channels. You'd get four out of Cleveland, um, you know, the big main channels, maybe a PBS. Um, and then if the, if the, you know, the rabbit ears were tuned just right, you would get Hockey Night in Canada out of Toronto. Ooh. So I, I always just kind of associated with the Leafs. And then as I got older, uh, my rookie year with the Angels was 90, you know, back there in 93. And so I'm out in, you know, the L.A. area when the, the Maple Leafs are playing the Kings and all of that stuff. So there was just a, a tie there. And as I got older, then I get the NHL center ice pa- package, all of that stuff. And so, yeah, huge Leafs fan. Got to keep it kind of quiet down here in Tampa. And uh, getting home and having the off day yesterday and sitting and being able to watch every puck move and, and the way that that game turned out, I was livid. Living. I mean, it was, it, it was, I'm telling you the, 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 the turn of events at the end of the second period and they take the lead and you're like, okay, you're feeling pretty good. Still have a whole, uh, you know, period left to play. But when they got that chintzy cheap five on three, you knew they were scoring. I mean, they, you knew that they were going to score and tie it up. And then at that point, Vasilevsky just went to the next level and they, I mean, they had some really good shots on him. And he was he did just I mean, it was it was unbelievable the performance that he put on after that and then into overtime. And yeah, so I went to bed last night. Very, very unhappy. It's, it's funny hearing you say that, because one of the complaints uh, of, of those of us who grew up outside of Toronto was that every time we turned on the TV, the damn Leafs were in hockey night in Canada. You know, if you were a Blackhawks <laughs> fan like I was or a Red Wings fan, you're screwed because you're always getting the Leafs. You're always getting the Leafs. So I find that there are people across Canada right now nodding in agreement, nodding in agreement. They can see where you would have been brainwashed at a young age. You would have been brainwashed by all the Leafs propaganda on Hockey Night in Canada. But uh, it, it completely worked. That's, exa- that's a true story. It completely <laughs> brainwashed. And now I'm all in. Uh, 
Hey, tell us about this, uh, about Drew Rasmussen tonight in this. Now he's, he's, Barker's made the point all along that if you want to get the, if you want to get the Jays out, it's fastball away, cutter slider. That, that is, you know, that's kind of what everybody in baseball is doing to them right now. And now here comes Drew Rasmussen. I'm led to believe he's got two sliders. Can you explain that to us? Yeah. Uh, yeah. It, listen, I, Drew Rasmussen, his pitcher profile is one of the more fascinating things that I've, that I've seen. Um, I, I guess in the, in the amount of time that he's, he's, you know, just changed his arsenal. So he comes over to the Rays last year as a bullpen guy, and they transition him into, uh, to, into being a starter. He had 10 starts with the Rays last year, 20 total appearances. Um, and on the years with Milwaukee and with the Rays, he was 95% fastball slider. I mean, it was like 65%, you know, fastball, 30% slider. I mean, that, that was his profile. And, you know, then he'd mix in a curveball and he, he'd try to change up, was messing around with that. But 95% fastball slider. He comes right out of the gate this year with basically the, the two sliders are, he, you know, they, they call it a hard slider. It's more of a cutter. Sometimes it'll get depth to it. And so it will look, uh, you know, like a harder slider. But that's what he calls it, his hard slider and then his traditional slider and then a fastball. So basically, it's a, it's a cutter, fastball, slider. And he comes out this year, and usually when you're going to introduce a new pitch, which is basically the cutter for him, uh, you know, you do it kind of gradually. You, you, you're going you're gonna to mess with it a little bit, and you're going to introduce it more and more and more until you get comfortable. He comes right out of the gate, and he's basically cutter, fastball, slider, hmm. 33%, 33%, 31%. I mean, it, it, I've never seen anything like it. A guy introduce a new pitch and at that kind of percentage, just completely changing the way that he pitches, and that's what he does. He mixes the cutter, which is the harder slider, with the traditional slider, with the four-seam fastball, and he uses them all about a third of the time. And so you just never know what's coming. He's willing to throw any one of them in any count, and that's what's, uh, that's what's led to his success, especially here recently. Uh, his last three starts, he's really – really picked it up and, and hasn't given the opposition much of anything. That's, that's funny. Whenever I was listening to you talk, I know Jay's fans are listening to you right now going, throwing their hands in the air going, that's exactly what all these right-handed hitters can't hit. That ball that goes away in the slider, how dare you do that? So you're saying that's there's no chance. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, it's not going to be the easiest thing. You know, you know B.A., I did hear uh, George Springer I think it's a couple of days ago after a loss, I think, to the Yankees. He said, it's time for urgency. Now, I look at the Rays a little bit offensively. I look throughout the league offensively a little bit. You think these teams are at that point where it's time. Like, it's time to start having some better at bats, stop making excuses, start doing some things a little differently. Yeah, without a doubt. You know, you're, you're getting into the middle of May, and uh, it's time to start making a move because now you've been able to, you know, take stock of what kind of team you are. I think the Blue Jays obviously coming into the season – you know, felt like, hey, we're, we're you know, division contenders, definitely a playoff team, um, and going to do some special things this year. That was their mindset. And now you get into the middle of May, and it's not quite gone as smoothly as they would have hoped. Yeah, there, there's that sense of urgency. And I think that's for, for, you know, any team out there that, you know, has aspirations of playing in October. So this is the right time. You know, it, and it looks to me, when you start to look, I was looking at the, kind of the hitting profile of the teams and, and the Rays and the Blue Jays, you know, pretty similar. They're, they're right next to each other in a lot of different categories until you get to, 
batting average with runners in scoring position. Mm, mm. And and right now that's what's killing the Jays. They have they're hitting 181 with runners in scoring position. That is the worst number in Major League Baseball. So, you know, they're giving themselves some chances, but they are just not getting it done. They don't have the clutch gene right now. And I'm sure that that frustration is what leads George Springer to say, "Hey, it's time. We I mean, we've got to start coming through when it matters." You know, I look at the Rays the Rays pitching this year, eight runs or more seven times, eight runs allowed or more seven times. Um, that's second only behind the Reds. They've allowed double-digit hits nine times, which is tied with the Jays for second behind the Mariners at 11. And yet I look at their record, and and, and the record is what it is. I mean, I, I get the sense that, that the pitching hasn't even really kind of fallen in place yet for this team, has it? No, no, there, there's been, uh, you, you know, a lot of injuries. Luis Patino, they lost him very early in the season. Shane Boz has not come back. Um, they've had to go to the opener, you know, more than they probably would have liked to early in the season. And at the same time, you know, you, you're the thing that I coming into the season that I found interesting was they had Ryan Yarbrough led the team a season ago with 155 innings. And then Shane McClanahan had 123 in the third innings. So you're asking, so you're saying, okay, Yarbrough can give you a, a, a lot of innings, uh, not going to be a big strikeout guy, more of a miss the barrel guy. Okay, good. You've got him. How big of a jump are they going to allow Shane McClanahan from 123? Do they give him 150? Mm. And this is with the idea, too, of playing in October. And then, you know, like Drew Rasmussen, you know, going tonight. I think he threw 70, in that 70, 80 inning range a season ago. How big of a jump are they going to allow for him? You know, so you start going through these guys, and you're like, where are the innings going to come from? And, uh, and so they've been mixing and matching here at the beginning of the season. And I'll tell you this, and it kind of was summed up. You, you guys were talking as I was coming on about that series out in Anaheim, uh, you know, where they've given up more runs than you would expect their record. They've given them up in bunches. So, you know, for instance, that, that two, uh, the first two games of the Anaheim series, you know, they lost both games, okay, but they were outscored 23-3. to three. So they give up their, all their runs in like a couple of games, and then all of a sudden they start going up the two, the three, the one, and start winning games. So that's where that comes from. That when they've given up runs, they've given them up in bunches, had a lot of, you know, bad games, but the, the good games are, are, you know, far more uh, plentiful, and they're really good games. Which, which so side, that's, that's mm, kind of what's going on there. Which, which side of the, 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 of the ball has – had the most issue with the baseball. Is it the offense for the race or is the pitching staff for the race? Wow. That's, that's, you know, they've both had their hiccups. Um, I I don't think, I I think if you were were to ask the team and just my gut without really breaking into it, but just from watching, I would, I would say that really all three phases of the game haven't really hit their stride yet. They will for a time and you're like, okay, they're going to start to do this. Like, you know, that, that, that road trip started out, you know, six and zero, and that was coming off uh, of a bad ending uh, in the twin series here at Tropicana field that, that ended horribly. They go out on the road. All of a sudden they rattle off six in a row. They're winning, come from behind games. They're winning some, you know, they went to Oakland and they had a, a standard game. They won six to one. Then the, the next game, they were down five to one in the first come all the way back hit a home run to tie it late and win it in extras. Unbelievable comeback. And then the next day was Corey Kluber, Frankie Montas, pitcher's duel that they were able to eke out a win. So they were finding ways to win games differently. That, and then all of a sudden you hit Anaheim, and they just you know, take, your, 
you know, just blow you out for, for a couple of games. So I, I don't think that they've gotten that traction they would hope for. And that goes for the defense too. They've been better as of late, but the, the, some of the defensive miscues and not even airs, but throwing to the wrong base, throwing through the uh, cutoff man and allowing guys to move up. Uh, just a lot of sloppy defense that you don't typically see from this team. So I don't think that they have clicked it all into place yet. They, they'll do it for a time, but it's not been as consistently as you're used to. Brian, really good of you to join us today. Thanks so much. Thanks a lot. Hey, no problem, fellas. Listen, tomorrow night, let's go. Multiple screens. <laughs> I, I will be. I, I'm. I'm telling you this right now. I will be calling that Rays Jays game, and and on my iPad. I will have that, that game on. So I will be fully aware of what's going on. Yeah, it's going to be 6-2 Leafs. There's no doubt about oh. it. Oh, You know what? Hey, I, that was so funny. I, I, uh, I got so angry last night that I texted a buddy um, down here who's a, who's a Leafs fan. And I, or light, yeah, or Lightning fan, I'm sorry. And I said, uh, by the way, enjoy it because 5-2 to two Saturday night. There that was go. my score. There you go. Got it. Well, Thanks, buddy. See you it. later. Be well. Brian Anderson, Tampa Bay Rays TV analyst, former Major League pitcher, and Leafs fan. No doubt the Leafs are going to win this series. I've been telling people. Well, I know why you're saying that. I know why you're saying that. Uh, it's it's funny when I was listening to BA why talk. Are you that? Well, because you're you tend to say that just to to yeah to get people fired up. Uh, it's uh it, it was funny that the that the Rays are still ahead of the Blue Jays when mm-hmm. he was saying that the Rays are not clicking. They're not. If you look at they're not doing anything right, basically is what they said. You know, they give up. They've given up runs in bunches, and you know, I mean, they don't have Colin McHugh this year. Colin McHugh was hugely important for them Mm -hmm. last year. I mean, I guess that's a good thing if you're the Jays. You're not going to be facing Colin McHugh in this series. But um, yeah, you know, I I mean, look, they uh, they yeah they have not hit their they've not hit their stride, and, and they've got. I mean, if they could ever, if they could ever have all their pitchers healthy, if they could ever get all those guys together and be healthy at the same time, I mean, that's what they're doing right now is something. But if if, if, if all of those guys were healthy, it'd be filthy. It's not going to be easy for the Blue Jays. They're going to have to have better at bats. I think we all can agree on that. Doesn't take a rocket scientist yeah. to know that the Blue Jays are going to have to show up to Trump, which they don't like going there. It's obvious. Because you have to play a really good game. You have to have some really good at-bats. Kevin Cash is going to do that thing that Kevin Cash does with all the pitching and how he lines everybody up and who's going to face what. So you're going to have to have good at-bats. Can they do it? Hope so. You know what time it is? It's time for Barker's Back Leg Bits. I don't know who he was praying to, but Barker's like, get up, get out of here. And the guy's right at the fence, like, I got this one, you know. The umpires would throw the balls out, like, hey, Barker's up. Bring in the six balls. We need the dead ones. Bring in the dead ones. Hey, Bark, why don't you just not worry about it? (laughs) (laughs) Andy, this Barker's Back Leg leg Bits. Well, I I can hear it in your voice. You had fun with that. Anyhow. Yeah. Hmm where we ask you, the listeners and the viewers, to DM us with questions for Kevin Barker. And uh, we, it, allows us to, to, uh, it allows us to look deep inside the farthest reaches of Kevin's brain. We've got... I love this. This, que- this isn't even a question. Shane Smith, can you guys talk more about umpires, please? It's from a couple of days ago. Mm. So. Uh, no, we won't talk more. About umpires. Jeff's tired of being wrong. Chris uh, Chris Peckover 
says, for Barker's back leg bits, given all the talk about the struggles at the runners in scoring position, just wondering how many other teams of three hitting coaches, including a hitting strategist. I know execution is on the players, but the approach comes from the coaches and the approaches are bad. Just wondering if there were too many cooks in the kitchen. My name is Chris from Vancouver. It's a great we, question, we talked Chris, about yeah. it, but I wanted to, I, you know, I, I wanted to get to, to Chris's question just so we could kind of, kind of revisit it again because we did, we did talk about it. Um, I, I don't know how many teams have three designated hitting coaches, but my guess is a lot of them do. There are a lot of, there are a lot of big coaching staffs out there right now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there are teams that have quality control coaches, which you know, I don't know. Does that make sure the thermostats are turned up, turned up in the coach's room? I don't know. I don't know what it is, but there are, there are, there are a lot of, yeah, there are a lot of cooks. There are a lot of cooks in the kitchen and, you know, Kevin's, Kevin's talked about this a lot. I, I, I wondered, and I know you've mentioned the, the iPads all the time in the dugout. And, and one of the things I kind of, kind of wondered about is not so much the number of voices in a player's head before the game, because there's always a lot of noise before the game, right? There's, there's always a lot of noise. I, I would think being a player in game, I would rather be left to my own devices. Like I know where the iPad is. If I need it, I can I can look at it. I'm just wondering if guys are wired that I could way. Have never, once the game starts. I could have never used the iPad. You can you can tell they can't wait to run off the field and run over there and look at it, where the pitch was at, what they've been working on mechanically is, you know, what's showing up on the iPad. How how do you go from from working on something off the field to getting on the field, going and trying to apply it? grounding out, running back over and seeing that it didn't work and then going up and changing it the next time. That, that is just mental overload. And to on top of it, you're facing the pitching that you're facing and trying to hit it where they ain't, which is not the easiest thing to do because of the shifts and all the khakis lining everybody up to where they're supposed to be. I just think sometimes it's got to be a simple, you got to simplify this thing as much as possible. Well, you throw words, what's throw two strikes? And then when the game's over, I'll look at how it went. But it's never going to happen that way anymore. Uh, Junior Garza on Twitter talks about a Buster Olney tweet a couple of weeks ago about Josh Bell being a possible fit with the Jays. We had Jeff Passan on yesterday, and he mentioned Josh Bell as well. And, you know, Junior Garza is wondering, is it too early to talk trade deadline? Do. Uh, this is about... This is a team that wants to go to the World Series this year. And... There's a lot of chances. There are more chances to do it because of the expanded expanded playoffs. But I look, I, I think if you're the Jays, if you're the Jays, you want to stay as close to the Rays and Yankees as you can because the closer you are to those teams, the better your chances ultimately of staying ahead of the other teams you're you're looking at for a playoff spot. And it's it's way too early to concede the division to the Yankees, sure obviously. It, it it really is, because we all know well, we all know what injuries what injuries can do can do to a team, but uh, I think we're on the same page here. I look if if early in the year you see something that reinforces what you suspected you were going to see. Like I, I never thought the Jays would have this issue with runners in scoring position. I still need to play it out a bit. That I think that at some point they would need another left-handed bat for the stretch drive and for the playoffs. Yeah, I did. But deep down, 
going into the season, my concern was twofold. One, could they get Yusei Kikuchi turned around? They've done that. I don't think there's an issue with the starting pitching anymore. I'm fine with that. But my other concern was, and this is not to take anything away from Jordan Romano, my other concern was, could Jordan Romano do it again over a full season? And did the Jays have enough? And I know people get tired when they when they hear swing and miss, but did the Jays have enough of that in their bullpen? Um, do they have enough of that so that you can get through Richards and Simber and then turn it over to guys who are going to strike strike guys out? I still don't. I still don't see enough of that. I think that has to be a point of focus. If you're asking me what move could you make right now to turn the team around, I don't think there's an offensive move out there you could make, you know, unless trading for a guy like Jose Ramirez, there's, there's, which isn't going to happen. I don't think there's a left-handed hitter out there right now that you could add to this team and you'd be doing anything other than bringing a guy in who could be a left-hand hitting DH. There's nobody you're going to bring in that's going to replace who you have catching first, second, short, third, or in the outfield. There just isn't. The one thing you can do, Kevin, is you can add that arm. You can add that arm to make the bullpen better. And I guess what I'm comfortable with now is I can focus on a bullpen arm. I don't feel like they have to add another starting pitcher. I think the starting pitching is going to be fine, even if Hyunjin Ryu doesn't come along. But I do need that other bullpen arm, and I need it pronto. American I, League I need East, it pronto. It's American League East. It's American League. Yes, score runs right now. They're not scoring runs. It's the obvious thing that they need. They need better balance. They're easy to pitch to. Like, and when their big boys aren't hitting and – having that at bat that you expect them to have consistently. The spotlight is right on. You can say what you want. For me, they need a couple of swing and miss arms out of the bullpen. One would help now, but you need a couple. You need, you know, Jordan Mono, what's that going to look like in September? What's Jimmy Garcia going to look like? You, you, you feel comfortable going to Jimmy Garcia in September in the ninth inning? I don't. Track records say no to that. He's a better seventh and eighth inning guy. You need more than one, but you need your offense. It's American League. What are the Yankees doing? They mash baseballs. Right. They well, make it impossible they, to but, pitch to. But they, they use also, the entire field. They also have got a bullpen that, that does not give to, up runs. To start the season. You're not trying, they're not fixed. They're not trying to fix this in season. They fixed it. Before the season started. Yeah. And then they have their superstars in their lineup being superstars. That's the point here is until Vladdy, Bo, Springer, Teoscar, and then you can sprinkle in the Lordises and the and the Matt Chapmans do a little. Nathan Morissette, I like this question because it's something I've talked about, and I know you'll, you'll roll your eyes, but whatever. Mm. When will Vladdy start getting respect from the umpires? We see elite starters get borderline pitches called their way all the time, and we see elite hitters get close pitches going their direction. It seems Vladdy has had an awful lot of pitches off the plate called against him. When will that change? Nathan, I've talked about this. I, I, you're absolutely right. I, I've, I've made the point that I'm not going to get into the whole umpire thing, but one thing we do know about umpires is they treat different players differently. Yeah, they, you know, what's the number in your back, son, right? The whole thing. I have been surprised, this frankly. This number's 27. I have been surprised, frankly, that uh, Vladdy has had so many calls go against him. Now, I don't think it helps when you expand. Kevin, I don't know how you feel about it. If an umpire has seen you expand in a previous at-bat, it shouldn't make a difference, but maybe it takes away from that the the reflex that dude didn't swing, dude's a good player. You know that that split second where eh, it's a ball. 
I think you could pick at certain at bats that he's he's had some pitches called that make you scratch your head a little bit, but consistently he gets called just like everybody else gets called. Umpire's not any like good. Like you haven't seen, it's you just, watch no, every at bat, you've not gets, sat he, there and noticed. Vladdy it. gets a lot of pitches. He should be hammering. You walk up to Vladdy, you push him in a corner, you go, "Hey, what do you think of your at bats?" He'd look right at you and go, "I get pitches. I should be hammering." That's why you see him take the little uh, that when he steps out and he gets a pitch that he doesn't hammer, and he does that little separation when he takes that little swing where he's trying to get enough of the hand movement back on time that he can throw it and get it singing, and he's just not doing it. So it's an easy say to blame it on the umpire. I don't. Vladdy's one of the best hitters, if not the best right-handed hitter in baseball. I'm blaming Vladdy. There you go. Barker likes umpires. Love them. Thinks Vladdy is at fault for all his... I see how you did that. You, you were listening to me talking. <laughs> that is it for Blair and Barker. We will be back Monday, 10 to noon Eastern on Sportsnet 5. Don't look so surprised. 10 to, didn't they tell you? 10 to noon Eastern uh, on Sportsnet 590, the fan 360, and wherever you get your favorite podcast, we'll be doing Blue Jays talk Friday night and Sunday night as well. Give us a call. Have a great weekend.